0: Hello plant people, thank you for joining me again on Plow and Hose. Well, here we are, it is mid-January and so far this year the weather has been so pretty It's been amazing, lots of sunny days, just so warm, especially this past week Really nice and downright decent feeling um feels really pretty great and you know uh, it kind of got me thinking and I was getting ready for this show so I was looking back on my notes from this time last year and we definitely had regular winter weather happening this time last year it was cold and windy But then you look at this year, and it's completely different. Texas weather is nuts. I mean, it was like 80 degrees this week. And honestly, it's been almost too nice. And it makes me suspicious and nervous and just really wondering about what could be ahead for us in the future. Because we are only... A month into winter. Now, I recognize and I acknowledge that Winter Storm Yuri was a unique... It was kind of a freak weather event. It was exceptional. I'm hoping it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing for me. Um, but it came the week of Valentine's Day in 2021, and a crazy storm like that, yeah, makes me not want to trust the weather ever again, uh, so I am probably going to be like that for a while, maybe forever, but anyway, these nice warm days that we've been having, they are nice, but... This time of year, they're not really so great. Not when we have a lot of them like we've been having, because it's disruptive for the garden, and that's because as the days are growing longer and we're getting more and more daylight, warmer uh, the warmer gets, the warmer days can trigger or stimulate new growth, which... You know, a, that seems like it's nice and exciting, but new growth can, and it's going to get zapped by any dramatic drop in temperature, and it's going to suffer from cold damage. And this time of year, it's just not great for plants to break dormancy this early not when there is still such a chance of freezing temperatures to come, it's mid-January. Spring bloomers and fruit trees, they are at the most risk. If those early buds in blooms get nipped by the freezing temperatures, there really is not enough time to recover from the damage you know an established plant or tree um you know it's likely to survive especially native and native adaptives but those springtime bloomers those blossoms they just aren't going to reform and the new new buds and stuff and the new growth you know it's just not going to have time to recover to bloom or fruit in the right season so we're not going to get the fruit if they get zapped by the freeze another thing about these unseasonably warm temperatures they affect our cold season crops too because when temperatures rise and stay warm it causes those plants to bolt they prefer a cool temperature so when it warms up um, cool season plants like lettuce and broccoli they don't like the warm temperatures and that tells them that it's that it's permanently warming up so it's time to put out the flowers and go into seed making mode and once they send out the flowers to start making seeds they're done that's it A lot of times when these plants um, that we grow for their leaves, like lettuces, when they switch gears and they go into seed-making mode and they start to set seed, their leaves turn bitter and they're done. They taste terrible. They're no good to eat. So winter temperatures during the winter... It's not really all that good. It feels good, but it can be damaging to plants that break dormancy, and it can shorten the growing season for cold weather crops. It's a weird time of year for outdoor gardening in Taylor and Central Texas, but you know what? It's a really great time to start planning and starting plants inside. We can get ready for late winter garden gardens um, by starting transplants and also by thinking a little further ahead and starting some spring planted crops indoors. But now, um, right now, before I really get into um, starting seeds inside, I just want to take a little bit and talk about some current events and maybe discuss some compelling reasons on why we should set some new gardening goals this year or maybe revisit some projects that were abandoned or maybe didn't go as planned um, last year. So, as you might know, this winter, California just got a ton of rain, and many, many areas suffered um, devastating floods. Um, they got lots of wind and rain and you know water spilled um, into into the fields and contaminated water and of course mudslides and all of that just destroyed crops that were planted and also did damage into um, their orchards. They got so much water that it's gonna be a while before the ground will be dry enough um, to plant again. So there was quite a bit of devastation in California now California provides about a third of all vegetables and three-quarters of all the fruits and nuts to the United States now this winter flooding you know it didn't destroy everything but it is going to impact certain crops either um, a greatly reduced amount of those crops or delayed planting of future crops since the ground is so wet Now, this is going to disrupt certain aspects of the food supply chain, and it could result in higher prices. Speaking of higher prices, um, everyone around me is talking about how expensive eggs have gotten. And honestly, I've not been paying all that much attention to the price of eggs, because I rarely buy eggs from the grocery store. I mean, I have my own backyard chickens, and... I don't know I really need eggs, but you know for some reason we do we get what we need from the farmers' market, but you know folks have been talking about um the price of eggs and of course, you know anytime um, you know people talk about some of my keywords, I perk up um, and people have been talking about eggs and chickens lately, so um kind of wanted to see what they were talking about and it is just insane how much the price of eggs has gone up and I was really surprised so kind of wanted to dig into it a little bit and I I read that the um, Texas Poultry Federation said that there were three factors, three reasons that contributed to this ridiculous price increase. Um, overall inflation, supply chain issues, and avian flu. It is extremely unusual for humans to contract bird flu, but they can get it, we can get it. But it's um, a much greater problem for birds because it is highly contagious. And, you know, depending on the strain from year to year, it can make birds really sick, domesticated poultry, are especially vulnerable when it comes to avian flu. And it can be absolutely devastating for them. When it hits a commercial poultry operation, like a meat bird factory, uh, not factory, a meat bird facility, or a egg farm, where they have hundreds and hundreds of birds housed all together, avian flu is lethal. Now, it's really not so much that it's the bird flu that is so deadly to the birds. Um, You know, strains vary from year to year. Um, and it is incredibly contagious, and it does make the birds sick, and it does kill them, but it becomes completely lethal because the farmers have to destroy all the birds in an infected chicken house. So if one bird in a chicken house has bird flu, all the birds have to be euthanized because it just spreads so fast and that's hundreds of birds in these large scale farms and these big farms usually have multiple houses so if one house gets infected that's how they mitigate um, infection control they will eliminate all the chickens in the infected house and then they take measures to ensure Sanitation between the other houses in hopes that it does not spread throughout the other houses now killing off the birds, whether they have it or not within that chicken house it's not an option the Department of Agriculture requires it because bird flu affects national biosecurity not only is it is avian flu spread by Migratory birds like wild duck and wild geese, it spreads when live birds come in contact with contaminated surfaces like trucking equipment and on clothing and boots. So, between flying birds that can fly great distances and, you know, between people going from chicken house to chicken house, and also, you know, equipment that can go several miles, avian flu really has the potential to be devastating to the U.S. poultry industry. Okay, so what does this all have to do with us? I mean, we aren't in California and no we're not running giant suburban chicken farms in the backyard these two situations really aren't affecting most of us in any like catastrophic sort of personal way i mean reality is is that most of us are just inconvenienced by shortages and annoyed by the prices. But I wanted to bring them up and talk about them because food is so important. And these two situations really highlight the need for us to reassess and reconsider what we can do personally to do to improve access to fresh, high-quality food. So maybe you're a new gardener or you have some experience and you just want to do some things differently because this is a slow time of year and it's really pretty quiet in the garden. So take advantage of it because January is a new year. You're already in the mindset of starting over. January is an awesome time to think about what you'd like to do in your garden and then also set some gardening goals. So I want to encourage you to take a little bit of time. I don't know, maybe take an hour or so and sit down and really think about what you'd like for your garden this year or your outdoor space. What do you want to do? What do you want it to be like? What do you envision it to to become? And it doesn't all have to take place this year, this summer. You don't have to get it all done before spring break. Just just sometime. Eventually. What would you like for it, it to be? Do you want to add another vegetable bed? Do you want to plant some fruit trees, maybe? And rain barrels and start collecting rainwater? Maybe start a compost pile if you you don't have one. What's something that you could do to make gardening easier for you? Do you have any projects that you didn't finish, or maybe didn't even start? You still want to finish them? Yeah, it's really okay if you've changed your mind. Maybe you found something else you want to try. Or maybe you did try something and it didn't work out. Think about that. Can you figure out why it didn't work? Was it the wrong location? Did it get too much sun? Was the water hose too far away? Was your soil off? Did you just go on vacation and forget? Was it planted at the wrong time? Did you plant like did you plant out a season or something? Think about what went wrong. Is there a way to, to salvage it? Can you try again and make it work? Looking around your yard, could you rearrange your space? What if you move something around? Would you like it better? Would things improve? Or maybe maybe this year is is less about doing, less being physical, more about mental stuff, like learning more. maybe taking your garden to the next level, making it more productive, making it so that you can grow more and harvest more, so you can learn how to can, and so you can have your vegetables all year long. Or you maybe, maybe you wanna have a cutting garden this year or maybe you have really big gardening dreams like having enough produce to share with others or selling having a farm stand selling at a farmers market or maybe you dream of converting your entire front yard to a vegetable garden What can you do this year to help you make progress on your dream? Do you have any problems with your garden? Do you need more shade around your house? Do you have a drainage problem? Did you inherit some ugly landscaping? when you bought your house. Grab a notebook and do some rough sketches. Capture an image off of of your house, off of Google Earth. Do some problem solving while you're making your property look better. Look up trees and shrubs and See how large they'll get when they're fully mature. Take some measurements. Just start making plans. This is an awesome time of year to do these things. You already have the seeds planted in your mind on what you would like to do, and then when you're out and about, maybe at the nursery you'll see elements that you can that you need for your for your vision and you can get them definitely use this plan or use this time when it's slow and, and to make some plans look up planting schedules put those on your calendar you know timing is really important here in Central Texas because we have very specific planting windows for for crops. And if your goal is to improve your harvest, you're really going to have to uh, get on top of your timing. It's so important. And and also, um, learning how to um, stagger plant and to be disciplined to stagger plant and that way you can continually harvest throughout the growing season. That's that's something that um, I'm honestly not very good at, stagger planting. For me, uh, my personal garden gardening goal includes um, incorporating more flowers to my yard this year. I, I have spent quite a bit of time, um, working in my vegetable beds and learning and working in them the past uh, three or four or five summers and really working hard on them. I do miss my flowers. Um, I did lose, um, a lot of perennials over the years, um, drought, freeze some just to age. I mean, perennials just don't last forever and really some of them were just lost through pure neglect. They didn't get watered. So, I really want to work on getting my yard to look pretty again. So, it needs some work. And even though I I do, I genu- genuinely enjoy Doing the yard work, putting in the sweat equity, taking the pride to do things myself. But, um, I'm, if I'm honest, I really do need to hire somebody to help me knock out, uh, some of these bigger chores, especially the ones I am not thrilled about doing. Um, it's going to be a tough one for me, but I know that if flowers are my goal, then I need to make them a priority, right? i got to find ways to um, make more time so that I can uh, find time you know, to enjoy them. So uh, I've also decided that this is probably going to mean that I need to be more selective with what I put in my vegetable garden and really only grow the things that do well for me and the things that I enjoy eating. Because I don't want to have to sit there and baby plants that are just going to struggle and nobody really, really enjoy them. So I'm going to be very selective about what I I put in there. And if something is struggling, I'm just going to let it go. You are listening to Plow and on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you're enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. Also head over to wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your shows, And subscribe to the Plown Hose Podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, please download some episodes and be sure to leave a review if you can. This is going to help others find the show and downloading Plown Hose helps get me some show statistics that I can follow. All right. So gardening goals. They can also include upgrading your backyard to permaculture and I love permaculture, it's really cool, I wish I had all the elements of it, maybe someday. Permaculture merges agriculture and landscape design to optimize your outdoor space so that you can improve sustainable growing practices and become more self-sufficient. Basically, you're providing yourself with food and shelter in a way that is easy, productive, and minimizes harm to the earth. Episode 43 of the Nose podcast is a good one if you're interested in learning some permaculture basics, so go check that one out. Backyard chickens fit right in with permaculture, and with these egg prices as high as they are right now, a lot of people are talking about adding chickens this spring, and I really don't know if they're joking or not, but... I always take people seriously when they say they want backyard poultry and I know people think I'm this crazy chicken lady and I am not. I don't think I am. I enjoy mine so much. I want people to be successful with them and enjoy them and I want the chickens to be treated well. I am not crazy, I am enthusiastic with sharing my knowledge. But anyway, if you are interested in adding a small flock, start doing your research way ahead of time, long before you buy your first chick or even build a coop. Building materials are expensive. Those cute little baby chicks at the feed store are a lot of fun, but they grow up, and even free-range chickens have to be cared for every day. You have to be 100% committed to caring for them, including keeping them safe. So do your research, and I don't just mean... The fun part, like figuring out what color birds that you want, the different colored feathers they have, and what kind of eggs they lay. I mean, that's all fun. I mean, I sure do love having a variety of chickens, different sizes, and the different colored eggs that they lay. Um, But I want you to learn about their health and their housing needs, especially The legalities of owning poultry where you live. Some communities and neighborhoods, um, neighborhood associations, they don't allow you to keep chickens, which I find incredibly rude. So be sure to check your local city ordinances and also your homeowners association rules. Even if your city allows chickens and coops, An HOA may have restrictions or outright bans, so be sure to check it out before you get any chickens. Backyard chickens are a ton of fun. Plus, they are like the ultimate in upgrading from a basic backyard to permaculture. Just please do not get chickens until you're ready to commit and don't justify this time. Do not get them because you think eggs are too expensive. If you think eggs are expensive, backyard chicken, uh, those eggs are a luxury item. Now that my kids are older, my garden has evolved. When we first bought our house and uh, started the the vegetable beds out in the back, we really relied on transplants. That's all we really used. When we moved uh, here, we had two little kids, and then over the years had two more babies, so lots of kids. Um, Seedlings were the way to go. Just too much going on. Seedlings were easy. You just went to the garden center, you bought some little baby seedlings, came home, put them in the ground. Pretty easy. Didn't really have to think much about it, which is good because little kids are a lot of work. But, you know, now that my youngest is 11, I kind of sort of feel like I have a little more brain capacity to do things like starting plants from seeds, especially inside. And it's really cool because there are just so many more seed varieties that you get to choose from, way more than you'll ever find sold as seedlings. Starting seeds, you know, it can be a challenge, but they're just much better value than store-bought transplants. I mean, for the price of one seed packet, you can grow just a ton more plants. I mean, transplants, they're going to save you more time. And you know, you're actually getting a plant, not just a tiny potential plant. And that's what seeds are, right? They're potential plants. So that's the trade-off. But With a little planning, you can save money and grow lots of really interesting crops. And this is the very best time for acquiring seeds. I mean, online and through catalogs, especially. If you want seeds, try to get them now. Try to get them soon because seed selection is the best early in the year You don't want to wait too long because the really avid gardeners and the collectors and all that, they are out already first thing buying new and rare varieties. And they tend to sell out early, but it's still a great time to shop for seeds. January is kind of an unlikely time to be thinking about the warm season crops like tomatoes and peppers but if you want to try your hand at starting your own tomatoes and peppers from seeds this is it now is the time you got to get them planted now it is the best time to get ahead of the game and be able to transplant tomatoes peppers and eggplant um as soon as possible. So these seeds, tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers, they need to be started six weeks before the last average frost, so they have time to get big enough to place out as early as you can. Um, For our part of Central Texas, March 5th is right about when we can expect the end of freezing temperatures. um, It's generally safe to transplant warm season crops outside at that time. So six weeks from the last average frost date for us is mid-January, so here we are. Now's the time to get the um, warm season uh, plants or seeds started, and your priority needs to be on tomatoes and peppers. The other ones you can wait. Cucumbers and squash, yeah, you can wait to to start transplants on those for a little bit. Um, and that's because tomatoes and peppers are slow growers, and it's a good idea to try to get your plants outside in their permanent spot as soon as you can because you want to optimize their blooming and fruiting window before it gets too hot. Tomatoes love the warm weather, and they can take some heat, but they'll stop blooming when daytime temperatures stay in the 90s and when the nighttime temperatures um, get over 75, so they, they they have kind of a temperamental window when it comes to that hot weather. And I don't blame them. I don't, I'm not my best either when it gets hot. <laughs> Tomatoes and peppers are large plants um, when they're fully mature. They have a very extensive root system, too. Um, they are just big plants all around. And since they are slow-growing, starting them inside is also super because we can control the temperatures. Outside you can't. So inside you can keep a nice steady temperature for your baby plants. And it's a lot harder to do outside, even with a greenhouse. Transplanting um, those seedlings in early March is gonna give them plenty of time to grow and be productive plants before summer's brutal heat overwhelms the garden. And they'll have plenty of time to get their root systems established. So you'll have strong, healthy plants that can handle the hotter days of late May and June. When you are ready to start your seeds inside, you know, the very first thing that you're gonna do is grab your seed starting mix. Get a bucket or a tub and pour your mix in it and then add a little bit of water and incorporate that in, just a, just a little bit. Um, add a little bit more, another splash, mix it in again and keep adding and mixing in small amounts until your soil is moist. Now you want it to be moist but not soggy. So you more, you know, kind of like a damp sponge. If it's too soggy, you'll need to let it drain or maybe you could squeeze some of the water out. But you want it to have that moist feeling. You want it moist but not soupy. Think damp sponge. And once you've achieved dump damp sponge status Uh, you can fill your seed starting trays or the individual cups or whatever you are using once you get your little cups filled look at the um, planting depth info on your seed packet the larger the seed the deeper it needs to be planted, the smaller the seed, the less deep it needs to be planted. Um, Those small little seeds like basil, they just need to be barely covered with soil. Most seeds don't want to be planted more than an inch deep. So yeah, not sure. Check out the seed packet. Look it up on the internet. little tiny seeds like lettuce seeds just barely need to be covered with water and all seeds you know if you like add like a nice layer you need to add a top layer of soil on top just make sure that the top layer is moist any soil on top needs to be moist and um you can just like s- squirt it with a spritz bottle uh, you know like a s- spray bottle, just spritz it um, make sure that the top stays moist. Uh, this is kind of tricky because if you leave your seed trays exposed to the air they're going to dry out, and they're not going to germinate it's going to make germination very difficult if um, it's not moist. so find some sort of translucent lid to place over your seedlings. So you can trap in moisture. You If you don't have anything, if you can't find anything to cover your seed trays or your cups or whatever, you can use like plastic wrap. Um, you can also use glass. Really, you can reuse anything that you find in your recycling bin that is clear. Um, I've like I've used clear plastic totes. Um, I've fished out um, lettuce boxes out of the recycling uh, to use as lid covers. I know someone who likes to save the rotisserie chicken boxes, little clamshells that have the rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. She likes to use those because they have a nice clear domed lid. I actually, this past week, I just remembered um, I was excited that somebody had deli trays at work And I saw them and I said, Hey, can I have those? Please don't throw those away. Can I have those? And they were like, yeah, Julie, you can have our trash. And I was just so happy because I was like, I'm going to use these to start seeds. So whatever you can find to use as a clear lid and trap moisture is gonna be great. So be sure to cover your seed tray or starting pots and trap that moisture. And then place your seeds in a sunny and warm location. Seeds are happiest when the temperature is like 70 to 75 degrees. Warm conditions are going to get them to germinate, so give them what they want. Make sure the spot has eight hours of daylight. You can supplement with daylight light bulbs if your indoor location doesn't have quite enough natural light. If they don't get enough light or they are too cold, they're not going to germinate, so give them what they want. So once you have all of this done, you filled your containers with moist seed starting mix and you've planted the seeds at the proper depth and you've covered them with some sort of transparent lid and created a little mini greenhouse and you got them the right amount of light and warmth Depending on what you planted, you should actually start seeing sprouts pop up within a week or so. And then once they pop up, then you can take the cover off. Usually it's like seven to 10 days. Sometimes it does take a lot longer, like two, to three weeks, and you'll be looking at your plants, wondering what is going on. Um, it's usually the peppers. Peppers seem to take a lot longer than tomatoes to sprout. And even some varieties will just, of all plants, some varieties just take a lot longer to sprout than others. So you just have to be patient. And I, am, I hate being patient. I want everything to sprout at the same time because that's how I am. I'm an impatient plant person. Okay. Um you know what friends, I'm going to end here and we're going to pick up next time on some more seed starting information. I want to talk more about what to do once they get larger because you know, once they're tender little seedlings, um you still need to do a couple things before you put them out in their permanent homes in the outdoors. I do hope that you will find some cool new seeds to plant. Maybe you'll try something new, like find a weird looking pepper or a weird heirloom tomato that you want to plant. But, you know, look around, but don't wait too long. If you're looking for something special, you need to go go ahead and order it. Go seek it out now. Um, Try to get it done before the end of the month, especially if you want to plant them in March. Take advantage of that uh, planting window early, early, early. All right, all right. Well, thank you for joining me again. I also hope that you will spend some time uh, thinking about your garden and the cool things that you can grow and all the things that you can learn this year and implement. I know you'll have some really cool ideas. All right. I'll catch you later. Bye.